Bibles with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 14. We will continue. By the way, this is the dessert that we'll all be sharing. Uh, that's all we have. <laughs> that's, I got my own private stash up here. Went to, um, to a pastor's uh, fellowship this week. I go to, there's a, a number of them that are available. I don't attend all of them, but uh, there are some that I try to make. And there was one here recently at Calvary Chapel, Pasadena. It was this past, uh, just yesterday, in fact, Tuesday. And uh, it's a little bit of a smaller gathering where just uh, kind of the San Gabriel Valley pastors and those kind of along the 210 corridor here, we come together and pray and uh, lift one another up and just hear what's going on in the hearts of different pastors going on in the churches. And just uh, this, this, this time was um, just uh, an overwhelming sense from, from everybody that we, you know, and I know you hear this, it sounds almost cliche, but just we're in the last days. And just that feeling that, Lord, things are accelerating towards some, some type of climax. Something is afoot in the spiritual realm that is affecting global economics and, and uh, just uh, everything is, is, you know, seems to be moving. Now, we, we know as Christians, we know what it's moving towards. But uh, what like Pastor Xavier said, he said, you know, I've been preaching this stuff for 30 years, but now I'm living in it. And it's just amazing to see these things begin to come to pass. So as we study tonight, the book of Revelation, I really, I, I, we're just, we're really in, could be on the very threshold of these things beginning to happen. And uh, so I want to encourage you tonight to just know that the word of God is true. There's no reason to live in fear or in anxiety because God has called these things even before they've come to pass. And so as we see things kind of moving towards an uncertain future for the Christian, we have a very certain future. And we know that God is orchestrating things to, toward the end of the age. And we know that this age is going to pass and God is going to bring in a new age where he will reign and he will be king. And that's really what we're living for. That's what we're waiting for. But I'd like to pray tonight and ask him to speak to us as we look at Revelation chapter 14. Lord, we do thank you for your word that we are not left wandering about, wondering what's going on or lost, Lord, without hope or without an understanding of your plans or purpose. Lord, you've revealed so much to us in your word. And as the days approach, Lord, that these things look as though they may be getting ready to be fulfilled. Lord, I ask that you would cause it to create faith and hope in our hearts, not despair, not anxiety, but Lord, an encouragement that we would look up for our redemption draweth nigh. Jesus, you are returning and these things are true. And the hope that we have is is a sure thing because it's built on your promises. Speak to us tonight, Lord, and open our hearts even further and help us to understand, Lord, what type of men and women we should be. Lord, myself included, as I stand here tonight celebrating 50 years, Lord, I, I think about the time that's left, Lord, and it's, it's not as much as, as time I've already had. So I'm, I'm thinking, Lord, I want to make wise use of it. I want to live for you. 
Speak to us tonight, God. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we'd be looking here at, at the, the chapter of Revelation 14. We, we looked last week at verses 1 through 5, and we'll be picking up tonight starting in verse 6. But let me read a couple of passages to you uh, before Revelation just to kind of set the stage, at least what I think some of what the text will be talking about and what's in my heart as I, as I study this. The book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 7, says this. You don't need to turn, but I'll quote it to you. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. The Bible tells us most assuredly that God is watching and weighing all things and that God ultimately is a God of justice. Now, we are grateful to know that he is a God of mercy and we don't get what we deserve as we come to Christ and allow him to forgive us of our sins. But there is a a sowing and a reaping that is just kind of built in to the fabric of creation not only in an in a agricultural sense, but here even in a lifestyle, in the way that we live our lives. And as we sow to the Spirit, as we live for the Lord, as we invest our life and time and energy and resource into the kingdom of God, into the spiritual things, there is a reaping of life and peace, not only in this life, but even eternally. And as if we sow and invest our time and energy and resources into the flesh and the things of the flesh and the things of the world, well, then we also reap corruption, the, the, the things that, that sin and, and, and that lifestyle produce, death, frustration. This passage tonight is very much talking about that time of harvest. In fact, the the title for tonight's message is A Time of Harvest. God is saying it in his word. Listen, what a man sows, he will reap. And the the, 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 uh, deception is, well, it doesn't, sometimes we don't reap it right away. And so we can be deceived in two ways. One, you know, I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to serve the Lord and it's not really, I'm not really reaping the, the, the benefit and we can lose heart. And we can also invest and live sinfully and selfishly. And, well, you know, we seem, nothing really seems to be changing. And, and imagine that somehow this, this principle is not really going to be required of us. But rest assured, there's a day coming, a day of harvest, when there will be an accounting and there will be a reaping of that which has been sown. Three messages that I think are highlighted in this balance of the chapter starting in verse 6. Angels coming to announce much of it. But I see three messages that I'd like to highlight to you. One is a message of reconciliation. And that's the first message that I see in verses 6 through 11. But listen to this from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The Apostle Paul saw his ministry as representing Christ 
And he was so passionate about it. He was so consumed with it. He, he, he said, it's, it's as though God were pleading through me. I feel the very burden and heart of God to save and to re- rescue and to reconcile enemies to God. Sinners to faith in Christ. And he says, I implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What we see in this first, these first few verses I believe, is God's heart. Now, keep in mind, we are working our way through this period that we believe would be the last seven years of the tribulation. We are at a juncture here in the, tech, in the, in the book of Revelation, having just finished the, the seven trumpet judgments. There are the seven seals, the seven trumpets. There is yet one last uh, group of seven judgments, the seven bowls that are yet to be poured out on the earth. And now we are in this little interlude and God is, through the vision of John, giving a little fuller detail of what will be happening during this time. And what you see here is an angel that will come and announce and preach the gospel. And it's as though God, just before the end, makes one final pleading, one final cry, be reconciled. You don't have to receive judgment. You don't have to to, to receive what's coming on the earth, not only now, but forever, the judgment that will be required. No, I'm pleading with you, be reconciled. And God, even in the very last moments of time that that we, we would call this kingdom age, this last time that God is crying out, giving opportunity for those that would hear the voice to be saved. Look with me. The gospel being preached by this angel in verse 6 and 7. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. An angel declaring this everlasting gospel and crying out to a a people that are living in rebellion. Even after judgment, we know that there are many that are just going to continue to live in rebellion. At this time, we believe the Antichrist and his kingdom will be on the rise. And there will be many following after the beast and following after his false uh, sense of security, his economic solutions, his political solutions. But they will be following after him. And the angel comes and said, no, give God glory. Don't fear the beast. Don't, don't, don't pursue these things. Come to God and glorify him. Remember the creator. Glorify him as creator. The book of Romans talks about uh, individuals who refused to recognize God as creator. They suppress the truth. They do not glorify him as God. They're not thankful The Bible says their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools because they worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. And so God gave them over to a debased mind. These are people that refuse to retain God in their knowledge. That sounds a lot like today, doesn't it? We don't want God in the equation we don't want to retain him in our knowledge. We want a secular view of science. We want, we want God out of the schools. We want God out of any scientific endeavor. We don't want to even acknowledge that a God would exist. Refusing to retain him in their knowledge. And the Bible says that God 
those that are set on that mind, God gives them over to that thinking and allows them to believe that deception. And this is something of what I, I think is going on here. You know, all this talk of, of the environment, a lot of concern today. And there's so much focus on, you know, preserving the earth. And listen, I, I believe that God is, would, would have us to be good stewards of resources and, and to, you know, be, not to be environmentally dangerous or, or, you know, insensitive to being, you know, clean and, and living, you know, in the earth with, as a good steward of resource. But my hope is not in Mother Earth. My hope is not in somehow preserving the earth. My hope is in the Lord. And this is what this is what I sense the angels saying. Let's glorify God. You're so preoccupied with the creature, man, and the creation that you fail to recognize and consider and honor the very Creator. Matthew tells us a prophecy that Jesus gave, and he said that before the end came, he said, "This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations." And then the end will come. It may be that this proclamation by the angel, he is going to be somehow in heaven. How is this going to take place? I do not know. But God somehow is going to proclaim the gospel for every tongue, every tribe, all the earth is going to have this message and this opportunity to return to him and to come back to the Lord. The second message that comes, another angel, verse 8 And this, again, I believe is still within the message of reconciliation. And another angel followed saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Now, the book of Revelation will have much more to say about this idea of Babylon. Babylon is sometimes referred to as a great city, sometimes referred to as a harlot, sometimes even referred to as a beast. It finds its roots in the book of Genesis when the Tower of Babel was erected. And really, it was the first real kind of unified false worship on the earth. All men came together and built this this edifice. And it was something, a celebration of their own achievement and and the glory of humanity. And it's very similar to what we see coming on the earth when... You know, the Antichrist rises and and creates this one world government with all the answers. And, you know, as men, we will have accomplished a utopia on the earth. We'll be self-sufficient. We don't need God. We will, you know, we'll we'll be our own gods. And this this Babylon is going to fall. This system, this idea, in the same way that the Tower of Babel was destroyed, so in the future, future Babylon will also be destroyed. And this angel is announcing it. Listen, Babylon is fallen. Don't put your trust in man and, and government and you know, political systems and, and armies and wars and, and you know, military strength. Babylon is fallen. As if to say, it's over. It's over. Stop putting all of your trust and energy. Look to God. This angel declares that the the efforts of man will fail. Babylon will fall. The futility of man and his world system will come down. Finally, this I see here in this message of reconciliation. 
And I believe this is part of it is the warning of a wrath to come. And the reason God warns is because he wants to reconcile. This is not some empty threat. This is not some spooky idea. This is God saying, repent, because this is what will come if you do not. We see it here in verse 9 through 11. Then the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice. So this is the third angel announcing. If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand. We saw that uh, earlier in, uh, in, in the earlier chapter, that, that beast and his, his system of economics uh, marking everyone. And that becomes their way of, of buying and selling. Verse 10, he himself, if you, if, you, if you follow after the beast, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. It shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image. And whoever receives the mark of his name, a warning to those that will be alive during that time. And the beast has come into power and he's beginning to set his marking in place and, you know, his economic program. The warning of the angel is don't follow after him. Don't identify with this world leader. Don't identify with this Babylon's plan. Because if you do, you're going to receive the same wrath that they are headed for. All who refuse to turn to God end up choosing for themselves certain judgment. God is not wanting to judge, but God will allow you to choose judgment if you refuse his plea, his pleading, his offer of Jesus Christ. Notice full strength. I don't know what the wrath of God is, would look like even at mixed strength, diluted strength, but I certainly don't want to see it at full strength. God is going to pour out wrath. There is going to be an accounting for the earth that rebels and rejects their own creator. Notice also that it is forever and ever. This is a judgment that is eternal. This is the message of reconciliation. Turn to the Lord. Babylon has fallen. The earth and whatever. Listen, and we could say the same thing tonight. Listen, turn to God. Consider the Creator. Consider a God that loves you. Think on Jesus tonight. Babylon has fallen. Don't, don't look to government and men. I, we're engaged in, as citizens. And, and I'm not saying that these things are not important. We should pray for our leaders. We should vote. We should be active in endeavoring to bring salt and light into our generation. But my hope is not there. That's not my, my, my eternal hope. It's in Christ. Turn to the Lord. Babylon has no answers. Man has no answers. The world has nothing to offer. Haven't you tasted that and discovered that for yourself? Haven't you already found out that it's empty and that it's really frustrating and leaves you just feeling dead inside, turn to the Lord because there is an eternal judgment for those that reject Christ. There is a price to pay for those who refuse 
to embrace God's offer of reconciliation. Secondly, tonight I'd like you to consider the the next message that I see in the text here, and it's really a message of hope. A message of hope, verses 12 and 13. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. There is this offer of reconciliation. There is this certain judgment that will come on those that refuse. But there is a promise of hope. There's the patience. Here's for those saints that persevere. Be encouraged. You're not going to suffer that judgment. You're going to be rescued from those things. You're not going to partake of those. Those that follow the Lord, those that obey His Word and keep faith in Christ, they're going to be blessed. And he says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. As we've studied in prior books, in prior chapters, there are going to be martyrs during this time. There's going to be persecution. There are going to be people that are being killed for their faith. And the Lord says, blessed are they that die in the Lord. Those that die because of their faith in Christ, those who refuse to compromise and give themselves to to, to God and keep his word and faith in Christ, they are blessed. They are blessed because they will come into a rest from their labors. The struggle and trial will end. That is a blessing. That is a hope. Jesus said in this world you will have Tribulation. Boy, we found that to be true. That's one promise we've all tasted. But he said, be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. Blessed are those that hold on to Christ, because there is a day coming when you will rest from your labor. labor. The struggle will be over. God has something better than, than this life. Thank the Lord for this life. Thank the Lord for his faithfulness to us in this life. But he's really preparing us for something known as His rest, a place that He is preparing for those that love Him and those that follow Him and those that know Him. And it says that their works will follow. Remember Jesus said, store up treasure for yourselves in heaven. Now this is not a works that earns salvation, but this is the works of those that have have embraced salvation. Those works have eternal value. This is the encouragement to us as saints. Listen, first of all, there's a rest. And you're going to, this trial of life, these struggles, it's not going to last forever. God has something for you. And everything that you do today for Him goes with you. How many of you have heard that saying, you know, you can't take it with you, right? And really, materially, you can't. But spiritually, you can. Jesus said, you can store up treasure in heaven. Those things that are done in obedience to the Lord. Now again, remind, let me remind you, I'm not talking about working to be saved. I'm talking about those that are saved by the grace and mercy of God through faith in Jesus. We then live and serve the Lord because we love Him and because we have relationship with Him and everything. Jesus said, even a cup of water given in My name will not go unrewarded. And He's a good record keeper. God is watching our hearts and our service of Him. In love. Bible says when you give, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. It's, a, it's an expression of speech that you don't need to, you don't need to show off when you, when you do something for the Lord. 
You don't have to worry if, everybody, if anybody noticed. Do it in secret. That's the idea. Your right hand's doing something. Your left hand's not even aware. It's just something that you're doing unto God. Do these things in secret, and the God who sees in secret will reward you openly. There's coming a day when everything is going to be brought to the light. And God is going to be faithful to reward. Paul talked about a crown laid up for him. Paul talked about works, wood, hay, stubble, and then also you know, things that would be burned, but things that would remain. Those things that we do for the Lord, there were, our works will follow. And this is the hope that the Lord gives, even in this, midst, even in this message of coming judgment. The final passage here, verses 14 through 20, the last message announced is really a message of judgment. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having his head a golden crown, and his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he sat on the cloud, thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Some believe that this, that, that particular reaping is, the, is the, the reaping of judgment that is just getting ready to be poured out in the seven bowl judgments, which we will see in future passages. The point is, Jesus, He is the one on the cloud. The Bible says, you know, the Father has said, sit here at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Jesus is now waiting for this day where He is going to come and reclaim the earth. But there is a harvest. There is a reaping. This gives imagery of, a, of kind of a grain harvest. There's something coming upon the earth. It is imminent. It is certain. Jesus will bring this harvest. He goes on and talks further of a harvest. Verse 17, Then another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar who had power over fire. And he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the cisterns of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city, and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs. This is imagery of a great day of wrath. As I mentioned, that first sickle that is, is harvests the earth, some believe that would be this seven bold judgments yet to come in the, in the book of Revelation. And then this final harvest, this harvesting of grapes for the, for the winepress of wrath would be, some believe, the very battle of Armageddon, the very last climactic event where Jesus comes and destroys those that are armed to come against him outside the city, most, most likely Jerusalem. This pictures Christ at his return. And when he comes, there will be judgment and it will, it will be devastating and it will be complete. 
This imagery of a wine press of wrath is in other places of the scripture. I won't read all of them to you, but if you want it as a reference, Isaiah 63, 1 through 4. I have trodden them in my anger and trampled them in my fury. Their blood is sprinkled upon my garments and I have stained all my robes. For the day of vengeance is in my heart and the year of my redeemed has come. Also Joel chapter 3 verse 12. Let the nations be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come, go down for the winepress is full. The vats overflow for their wickedness is great. This is a picture of Christ's return and coming in judgment. Notice, and I'm going to close here tonight, I have just one last kind of point I want to emphasize. You'll notice in both of these harvests that reference is made to the earth being ripe. The earth being ripe and ready for harvest. God is not just um, a God who kind of explodes in a moment of anger and frustration and decides, I'm, just, I'm, I'm sick of it, I can't take it anymore, I'm going down there and heads will roll. You know. God doesn't respond that way. God is not, is not given to outbursts, losing his temper and lack of self-control. Sometimes we think of wrath that way. You've probably all had a, a, a moment of wrath. <laughs> Where you know you just got so fed up and out comes wrath, some form or fa- fashion. But in God's plan and in God's uh, purposes, wrath is something that is the the end result of a people who store up for themselves wrath, and He's keeping some type of measurement of those things. I don't know how, he, how exactly, but in the heart of God, there is a time when judgment is the last resort. The earth is now ripe. You know that, you know, in the same with, with picking vegetables or fruit, I mean, if there, there's a time, there's a season when it's ready. And you can't, if you pick it early, then you spoil, you know, it, it's too early. If you wait, it's spoiled. There's a time, and God knows the time when the earth will be ripe for harvest. We see little glimmers of that in other passages. I'll reference a couple of them here and just close with this thought. I mean, Abraham, you remember, he was given promise to a promised land. And God brought him up to this promised land, but he, he said, you know, I'm not going to give it to you yet. It's going to be in your future generations that you will actually receive this land. And he said in Genesis 15:16, but in the fourth generation they shall return here. Listen, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. God had promised Abraham this land, but those that were living in the land were not yet ripe for judgment. Israel's coming and taking that land would actually be judgment on those pagans that were living in the land. But God said their sin, their iniquity is not yet complete. God waiting, another version says, their sins are not yet filled up. God waiting for the time that it would be ripe, that's when He would send judgment. 
God would send prophets to the nation of Israel, warning them of coming judgment, warning them, asking them to repent, lest they be judged, lest God send other nations in to judge them. And they would, they would, you know, in some cases they would repent and go for a season and then, you know, kind of fall back from the Lord and God would send prophets again to endeavor to restore them. And this, this would go on until ultimately the people quit listening. And they simply would not listen to the voice of God through the prophet. And then they became ripe for God's judgment as well. So much so that God on, on several occasions told the prophets, don't even pray for these people anymore. They're ripe. It's coming. Jeremiah 7.16 Therefore do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry or prayer for them, nor make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. Ezekiel, he also received something like this. He said, the Lord said to him, Have you seen this, O son of man? It is, a, is it a trivial thing to the house of Judah to commit the abominations which they commit here? Aren't they taking serious what's going on? For they have filled the land with violence. Then they have returned to provoke me to anger. Indeed, they put the branch to their nose. Therefore, I also will act in fury. My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, I will not hear them. I remind you of that verse I read at the opening of our study. God is not mocked. Don't be deceived. There comes a time when the iniquities of men become so great and so vast that God has to send judgment. Do we imagine that somehow we can ignore the Creator? The Bible says that He made all things and all things are made by Him and for Him. We are made at His pleasure. The earth and the universe and all that we know is made by God for God. And to imagine that somehow man will just, you know, run the Creator off. (laughs) And we'll take, you know, we'll just run the earth at our leisure. And that God, Almighty God, would somehow just kind of, you know, put his, he doesn't have a tail, but you know, put his tail between his legs and, and kind of skimper off. Oh, they don't want me to be their God anymore. I guess I just have to let them do what they want. No, no God is going to come. And God is going to set things right. But know tonight that God does not desire that any would perish. The Bible says that God delights in mercy. You know, I have to be honest. This is a, this is a pretty heavy message for a birthday. <laughs> oh, Lord, this is... You sure gave me a doozy for my birthday. But you know, birthdays are, are nice. But they're not as important about what we're talking about here tonight. We're living in last days. I don't know who's here tonight. Maybe somebody here tonight that you, needed to, you need to hear. God loves you. He wants to reconcile you. Babylon has fallen. Come back to the Lord. Come to the Lord because judgment is awaiting for those that reject Him. These are are the words of Scripture. Believe me, they are true. God will bring these things. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. But listen to Paul. 
as ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. As long as you're here and have breath, it's not too late to be reconciled to God. You can come into that comfortable, that wonderful relationship of faith and trust in Him tonight, right now. You can come back to the Lord. God wants to save. God is mighty to save. And His message tonight is one of reconciliation. Yes, it comes with strong warning. Yes, it comes with certain... Uh, a certain end that will eventually come to a ripe earth, but, oh, don't let your heart get ripe. <laughs> don't get to a place where you're so hard that you can't hear the voice of God, where you reject even His cry for reconciliation. And for those of us that know Him, we are ambassadors. I pray that we would have the same heart as Paul, that you would begin to hear the pleading of God through you. And that you would be compelled to implore men to be reconciled. That God's own heart and burden and pleading for lost souls would begin to kind of stir in your heart. And that you would begin to have that same passion that God has. That's what's on His mind, is redemption. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for Your Word tonight. A time of harvest is coming upon the earth. Lord, we may be close. It feels like we are. It sure looks like you're setting the pieces in place to bring in the final, the final events prophesied in Scripture. But Lord, one thing for sure, whether, whether these things begin to happen soon or later, there is still this matter of being reconciled to you. And that is a decision that every man must make. In, before, during, or, or, you know, Lord, there's no reference to the tribulation, but now is the day of salvation. So I pray tonight, Lord, for those that may be lost and need to be reconciled. And as our heads are bowed and we're just praying here tonight, I do want to give opportunity. If you're here tonight and you need to come to the Lord, you need to be reconciled. He's pleading. God is pleading through my heart tonight to you. Be reconciled to God. Come to faith in Jesus. Babylon has fallen. The earth has nothing for you. The world is not going to satisfy you. You're not going to find peace and happiness or any sense of comfort. God is your Creator, God is your maker. Honor Him. Come to Jesus. Receive His mercy. Receive His forgiveness. Receive His eternal hope and promise. Receive the blessing. If you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord, I, I want to pray for you. Or if you're here tonight and you need to come back to the Lord, maybe you need to rededicate yourself to Him. And you know who you are. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, you know clearly. That God is, God is pleading with you tonight. Come back. Be reconciled. Come honor me and glorify me again as God. Fear me. Don't, don't imagine that, that, that you can live a life without any you know, respect of, of, of thought toward me. Don't imagine that as a creator I'm going to just 
you know, forget about my creation. If you're here tonight and you need to come to the Lord, maybe for the first time, or you need to rededicate your life to Him, I want to pray for you and I'm going to ask you just, the heads are bowed, but if you would raise your hand so that I can see you tonight, I'm going to pray for you. God bless you, sir. You, ma'am, on the left as well, my left. Bless you and you as well. Over here on the right, God bless you. Up front, I see that. Anyone else? God bless you, sir. I'm going to ask. Uh, I'm going to ask us to stand tonight. I'm going to pray for those that have responded, but I want you all to stand with me. I'm going to close in a song of worship. But I'm going to ask those that have raised their hands, if you would come forward here so that I can pray with you. We're going to have others, other, some of our prayer ministers, if you would come forward as well to pray with these folks. Those that have responded, those that need, you, you're, you're really, you heard the pleading of the Lord tonight in your heart. And you know he's asking Come and be reconciled to him. He's, he's waiting here for you. Come on. I know there was a, I think there was a few more. I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm just here to pray with you and love you. Anyone else? Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you need to come. Come to the Lord for the first time or come and rededicate yourself to him. God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Well, it was a, um, those of you that have responded, I, I just want to encourage you tonight. I know it was kind of a pretty heavy teaching tonight. Um, and even, to be honest with you, it's hard for me to even teach it. It's, it's so strong, you know. The idea of eternal damnation. I mean, it's, it's just... Almost overwhelming the cost of rejecting Christ. It's hard to, to even teach it, and I know that sometimes that can, you know, be difficult to even embrace. Is is that really the way it's going to be? Well, it is. But I want to encourage you tonight that you that you've responded that that is not part of your future. That is not going to happen with you. God loves you and God wants to save you and rescue you from that future because God has something way better. And not just an off in the future someday, right now, tonight. God is going to touch your heart. He's going to fill your heart with His Spirit. He's going to cleanse you from all your sin. And you're going to go home a new creature tonight. If you're coming back to the Lord, you're going to go, go home afresh and rejuvenated in the Spirit of God. So as heavy as this, these thoughts were, I want it to end on, on the glory of coming to salvation. It's the, best, it's the most beautiful thing that, that your life will ever experience is coming into faith with Jesus Christ. So I want to pray. And uh, I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to lead you in prayer. And this is a prayer that in, 
You have to do the inviting of the Lord into your heart. Now, I'll close and pray for you as well, but I I want you to invite him into your heart. I'm just going to ask you to kind of repeat after me. I'll lead you out in a prayer. And those of you in congregation, let's pray with them. And let's uh, just ask the Lord into the heart afresh. Dear Lord, I come to you tonight because I believe that you have spoken to me. Your words have come alive in me tonight. And I recognize that I need to be reconciled. I confess to you that I am a sinner, that I've made mistakes, some things I'm even ashamed of. But I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave for my sins and that you were willing to completely forgive me and give me a fresh start as I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Come into my heart. Fill me with your spirit. Bring me to life spiritually. Change my heart, change my ways, and give me a new life in Christ. Not only today, but for all eternity. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believe on Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Lord, we thank you for this everlasting life that has come into these hearts tonight. God bless you.